As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. There's no crying in baseball! I ate his liver with some father beans. I skinned. If I can change, and you can change, everybody can change! And welcome to another episode of Your Next Favorite Movie. I am your host, Josh G. And today I have not one, but two guests. Together they they do the Radio Chaos live stream. So please welcome Max Tack and Angelus. G'day from down under. G'day, g'day. Yeah, that's a good point. I think you guys now are officially my furthest away guest at this point. So yeah, I haven't gone this far out yet. So there you go. There's that. Well, hello from the future. It's um, <laughs> it's a balmy 18 degrees Celsius here in in, in winter. Uh, I'm on the uh, central coast of New South Wales. Uh, Angelus is up in Brisbane, which is just north of the border of, uh, from New South Wales in, in the state of Queensland. Uh, and we're the tag-teaming hosts of Radio Chaos, which is the Elite Army live stream. Uh, so you can probably tell what side of the fence we sit on with uh, the movie we're going to be discussing today. <laughs> well, I, 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 uh, that's that's one thing I do with this show. Th- that's why it's called Your Next Favorite Movie. I want people to bring me a movie they're passionate about. I, I promote no negativity on the show. I completely keep it film positive because every movie is someone's favorite movie i say so i always want the most passionate people about the movies they're talking about so that is something i do on this show (laughs) (laughs) well considering that uh, we just completed a um uh, a live stream rewatch of the movie for rosa salazar's birthday which it is this weekend you could probably tell us tell that we're right up there in the uh, high end of uh, loving this particular movie. Uh, I think Angelus has probably seen it more times than me, though, which is quite impressive. That was my 41st viewing. Uh, I don't know if he counts the number of times he's watched it, but I'm pretty sure. No, I don't count. Uh, Not that I can (laughs) count very often at the best of times. But, um, I mean, it's like your favorite song, like your favorite food. Speaking of favorite food, um, we'll get into that later. Um, <laughs> like you just don't uh, you um like you don't keep track down of like how many times or how many different toppings you've had on pizza. You just you see a pizza, you eat it. You listen to your favorite song, you just shout out the lyrics like because you know it off by heart. Uh, and even movie quotes, uh, same thing. Like uh prior to a leader it was like uh movies like ninja turtles and top gun and again we'll get into the uh topic when we address the uh questions but i mean you just like there are good movies there are great movies and then there's movies for us like a leader and they're very rare and few and far between and while we do try to keep it objective it's you know like a there's just so much about this movie that like we just can't stop talking about it <laughs> which is why we jump on uh, shows like this which is why we even created shows like radio chaos because we just can't stop and we never will but we also have a good reason for radio chaos it's basically to keep uh the, the subject of the ip a leader battle angel current and uh keep it in people's minds because we're pushing for a sequel disney got the rights to the movie after they absorbed 20th Century Fox and um, have been sitting on it 
we have some theories about that, but um, we basically want to motivate them in a positive manner because the Elite Army is actually one of the most positive fandoms on the internet. Uh, basically, uh, our, our queen, as we call uh, our Lita, is um, uh, a character who is extremely positive. She changes everybody she interacts with in a positive manner. And um, we, we try and echo that in positivity and perseverance. Uh, and we are going to get our sequel. I, I refuse to exist in a reality where that does not happen. So it's got to happen. Okay, so tell everyone how they can get, you know, find the Radio Chaos when, if they're looking for you, like how to keep up with when you're going to do a live stream or any so updates Radio- you guys are given. Well, the Elite Army is a worldwide fandom. Uh, just now we've had people from Australia, America, and England on the live stream. Uh, it is available on the Elite Army channel uh, on YouTube. Uh, there is 125 episodes on there. Uh, like uh, Angela said, we just can't stop talking about Elite, so a lot of them are like three hours long. Uh, so so um, uh, you, you've got to be a little patient. Uh, but um, there's a lot of good topics on there. We've interviewed um, lots of people from the movie um, and people involved in the making of the movie. Uh, we're working our way up to the stars. Uh, we haven't quite got there yet, but um, we've interviewed uh, later Caligridis, who was one of the writers of the original script with James Cameron. Uh, just recently, we interviewed uh, El Lamott, who played Screwhead uh, in the movie. That was the uh, female with the forearms, the, the um, cyborg with the forearms and the, and the screw thingy in a, in a forehead, hence the name. Uh, so, yeah, we're, we're working on uh, getting up there with the, um, uh, the, the biggest stars in the movie, but as yet, we, we haven't cracked it. But everybody we've talked to has been really friendly and uh, really excited about being part of that movie, and they want a sequel as well. So they pretty much, uh, if you want to be part of the Elite Army, all you've got to do is watch the movie, enjoy it, and want a sequel, and you're in. It's a low bar. But um, the the people (laughs) in the Elite Army, they're really, really wonderful people. And as we say at the end of the live stream, we do this because we love the fandom, we love the movie, and we want a sequel, and that's why we're doing it. And that's part of the appeal as well, because, um, uh, like, you know, people looking from the outside in would think, you know, they're just a bunch of crazies. They're another, I don't know, Star Wars fandom or DC fandom or something like that. But, like, (laughs) I don't know, like, there are fandoms and then there's just, like, extended families. And I feel like it's the latter for us. All right, so before we continue down into the movie itself, Max, I know you want to talk about, go ahead and talk about the podcast you co-host, Science Fiction Remnant. Ah, right, yes. So um, Science Fiction Remnant was originally started by uh, two fellows from, um, I'm not sure which state they're in. I, in fact, I think one of them moves, so they're in different states now, but they're they're uh, on the east, eastern coast of the U.S. Uh, it's uh, Robert and Jean Carlo. Um, I started watching their, po- oh, listening to their podcast. Um, uh, back uh, early last year. And uh, the Science Fiction Remnant podcast covers all things to do with science fiction. So uh, be it movies, uh, TV, computer games, novels, um, what, what have you. Anywhere where science fiction is is um, uh, extolled and enjoyed, uh, Science Fiction Remnant will go there and talk about it. And um, 
back at the end of last year, I was talking to Robert because uh, we have a Discord and I joined the Discord and I was talking to him about that. And it's one of those things where you listen to a podcast and these guys are really cool and then you get to talk to them and, yep, they're really cool. You can have great conversations with them and they love the same stuff you love and you just become friends. It's just, it's just what happens. It has to happen. And um, then um, Giancarlo uh, had a few issues and he wasn't able to record for a couple of months. And I, at one point I said, Robert, I'm really missing the podcast. Can I, can I like guest co-host? We can put a few more out. He said, yeah, sure. So um, I'd been on there for a leader. Surprise, surprise. And um, then uh, the very last episode of last season was Darling and the Franks, the anime which I'd really enjoyed. It was the first anime I'd, I'd watched and then immediately went back and watched the whole thing again because uh, it was that good. And um, uh, I uh, went on and we talked about that one and it was their second highest rating show of the entire season, the highest rating show being 2001 Space Odyssey, no surprise there. Uh, and then uh, Giancarlo came back on board a um, couple of months later and I said, oh, well, you won't need me anymore. And they said, hey, hey, hold on a minute. Who said you could leave? <laughs> uh, so, so it was a case of, well, you're in now. You're stuck. You, you know, it's not a bad thing to be stuck doing. But, um, yeah, so I joined them for season two. And since then, uh, the Science Fiction Remnant podcast has been number one for a week on um, Good Pods. Uh, it's the, our Adam Project episode, which is a um, you know, Netflix movie about time travel and, and all sorts of funky stuff that was um featured on their front page so um good things are happening and it's a great podcast we have a lot of fun and being a trained scientist uh, i kind of bring sort of like a a more scientific analysis analysis sort of bent to the discussion uh and um they usually turn to me when they go uh, is this feasible and I go, well, I'm not a physicist, but, <laughs> and uh, right at the end of the show, um, we have uh, a segment now called the science behind science fiction. Cause one of my favorite things is watching science fiction IPs and especially really old ones that um, you, you look at it and go, Hey, look at that technology that they thought up there. It actually looks a whole lot like this, which is happening in 2018 or 2019 and so forth. So I sort of try and draw out what uh, influences this IP might have had on where science is going now. So that's a lot of fun. We've, we've, we've picked up a whole bunch of things. Uh, we just did Alien, uh, the movie Alien from uh, 1979. And um, they actually had, uh, if you if you go back and watch the movie, uh, a they had these uh, ECG dots. I happen to know that they were ECG dots because of where, where they were placed because I uh, used to support uh, physiology where we did ECG readings. And, of course, most ECG machines, they have cables, but these didn't. They just had the dots. So, obviously, they were some sort of wireless technology. Be it, uh, it was probably Bluetooth. Uh, but they don't really have those as yet. And I was looking at that and going, well, that's really interesting. But... Um, other technologies that we're using right now do have Bluetooth connectivity. Uh, I have this little doodad on my arm here because I'm a type 1 diabetic. I'm just showing them on the video here. You, you guys can't see it. But there's this little disc on my arm, and that's got technology inside it which reads my interstitial blood glucose, which is not uh, – it's not blood glucose. It's interstitial fluid um, glucose, which is slightly different. It's outside of the, the venous system. But it still gives gives a good track of what's happening with your blood glucose, and um, that little guy there has alarms on it, and it's um, connected via Bluetooth to my phone. 
So my phone alarms anytime my blood sugar is going low or high, which is really, really useful. It's like something I wish I had for years. But um, yeah, so you can sort of see how the technology has been influenced by the things that they came up with in movies 20, 30, 40 years ago. Uh, so it's really good fun to look at that sort of stuff. Ah, yeah, that's actually a really cool aspect and different way of looking at it. I love that. So that is pretty awesome. All right. So we're going to get into it. Let's talk about Robert Rodriguez's Alita Battle Angel. From the producers of Avatar comes a new world and a new hero. You are not just a warrior, Alita. You have the most advanced weapon ever. On February 14th, this world needs you. She's threatening the natural order of things. Her legend destroyed a girl called Alita. Begins. Don't underestimate who I am. Alita Battle Angel, February 14th. All right, let's start with the basics. Did you, you guys see this in theaters? Is that where you first saw it? I saw it once in theaters. Uh, and as a result, the memory of that viewing is fading. Or the visual cues and the visual memory is fading from uh, from me. But, um, but one thing that you don't, that you will always sort of remember is like the, the feeling that you get when you watch it for the first time, your reactions, what you, not what you thought, but, um, well, yeah, yeah, pretty much like what you feel. And, um, and yeah, without going uh, too deep into it, because uh, some of them are directly addressed by the uh, questions list you uh, sent earlier. And, um, and yeah, so I saw it the once. Unfortunately, oh, wish <laughs> I went back and did it again. But uh, you could say that uh, I blame the leader for that because uh, <laughs> after that first viewing, I felt so entranced, so enchanted, just under their spell, under her thumb, if you want to put it that way. That, like, uh, I guess I was in a daze for weeks on end before I realized. Well, now that I've come off that cloud, it's like, what do I do now? I'll search it up. I'll Google it. I'll do this. I'll do that. Look at it on social media. And the rest, as they say, is history. And that's how I became part of it. Part of it all. My um, experience is somewhat similar, but it, it runs a fair bit deeper. Uh, the movie Alita Battle Angel is based off uh, a manga from Japan called Gumu, which means gun dream. Uh, direct translation when it was originally brought over to the u.s in i think it was 92 um it was originally started in japan in 1990 in serialization form but 92 it came to, to english and it was called um battle angel alita obviously they reorganized the name to alita battle angel because cameron only does a and t movies surprise surprise so they needed an a at the start so they rearranged it but um I was a big fan of the, the manga way back in the day. Yes, they, these creatives do that sort of stuff. <laughs> I was a huge fan of the manga back in the day. I collected the whole of the original series. There's actually three series. It's still going. Um, so the guy's pretty much spent his entire life writing this thing, uh, Yukito Kashiro. Uh, yes, we, we both had copies of these things up up in my, my cabinet up here. I've got... The original version i've got the latest box set um so it's it's all up there uh but uh, it's a fantastic read i highly recommend if anybody enjoys the movie to read it um i know there's people who go and see a movie and go oh i can't read the source material to spoil the next movie 
but the, the source material is quite a bit different in in certain ways from uh, the uh, from the movie. The movie's basically overlapping story arcs because they've only got two hours to to do a movie, so it's overlapped the first three story arcs, um, and but they run sequentially within the manga so it, it works a bit different that way and the character of Sheeran does not exist in the manga she was introduced in uh the OVAs which were two half hour shows that came out in 92 I think it was in Japan and about 94 uh translated into English uh which I have in the original VHS there and a DVD version up there so <laughs> collector but anyway um so I was a big 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 fan of this manga I I would read it and and read it and read it and then I'd go away from it for a little while and let him write some more and then I'd come back and I'd reread it from the start and go up to where he where he's at at that point uh and um the uh movie covers the first two volumes I think it is um, yeah, volume one and two of the original um, of the original manga series, which was nine volumes, uh, but now there's thirty eight volumes, uh, including it broken up into three series. So uh, yeah, and it just keeps going, and it's it's a fantastic story. Um, you know, like uh, space opera kind of length and depth and breadth with fantastic characters, uh, and a lot of that has translated really well into the movie. So anyway, um, in 1999, Cameron went and uh, purchased the rights to uh, a movie ad adaptation and um, any anime rights, and that went to 20th Century Fox. And then he started working on a script with Leda Caligridis. Uh, around 2006, uh, he was trying to work out the technology because he always said, I want to have the main character fully CG uh, because it's the only way it's really going to work for me as a creative. And then he went, okay, I've got this story about blue aliens and I've got a leader. Maybe I'll have a go at the blue aliens first because they have to be photo real, not photo realistic. So um, photo, the difference between those two is photo real means that it looks real but has no, no real basis in reality because it's completely fictional. Photo, photo real means that there's enough reality in there that you could tell if it wasn't working properly because, you know, it's based on earth, everyday streets, normal people, lots of normal people and stuff like that. So he went, I'll give the blue aliens a go first. So he did avatar and, and the rest is history as it were for the box office. And that one, we know that that went really, really well. And then he got so caught up with avatar and making sequels and, and wanting to keep going with that one for the rest of his life that um, he, he shelved Alita. And it wasn't until Robert Rodriguez and he were having uh, um, uh, a lunch together and catching up that um, Rob Rod said to him, hey, so what happened with that Alita thing that you were working on? He says, oh, it's shelved. I'm, I'm doing Avatar now. I says, do you mind if I have a crack at it? And he said, yeah, sure. I'm, I'm not entirely happy with the, um, the uh, script as it, as it stands. Um, why don't you have a play with and see what you can do? He says, yeah, okay, it's summer's coming up. I'll work on it over summer and give you something at the end of summer. It was also told to cut it down from two and a half hours to two hours because uh, the sort of budget that was That's going to be needed, they you. weren't going to quite get the money for it. Uh, so they, they were more likely to get the money if they cut it down from two and a half to two hours. So anyway, he came back with the, with the um, treatment of the script 
and um, they managed to push it through 20th Century Fox and and then uh, we finally in uh, 2019 got the movie we've been waiting for for oh, 20 years. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it was a long wait, but it was a fantastic wait. I mean, I I saw um, a trailer for it on YouTube uh, one morning, and I was like, "Oh my god, oh my god, it's actually coming out!" I, I'd completely forgotten that they were trying to do this, and and like I'm, I'm googling and I'm finding out. And I went, oh, "Oh my god, there's a pre-screening coming on. Uh, it's it's like the Wednesday before the the um, uh, full release on Valentine's right. Day. Uh, no, sorry, it was the Saturday before the Wednesday." Uh, and I said, uh, is there any near my house? Yes, there is. Is it in 3D? Yes, it is. <laughs> I, was on those, I, I was on those uh, tickets like um, uh, like a seagull on a chip. It was just, I had to have it. Um, and I, I, the, I, I'd moved away from my friends. Like I'd moved out of Sydney because you know, big cities, I've had enough of those. So I moved up the coast. So I'm, I'm like an hour's north of Sydney. I didn't have any friends in the area who would want to go see something like that, so I went by myself. Screw it. I've got to see this movie. Went to see this movie, uh, sat down in the theatre, you know, and, you know, you, it's like like a job interview. You're nervous. You're like, is it going to be good? Is it going to be good? I hope they didn't wreck it. Oh, come on. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. And then the the lights went down and you get the the 20th Century Fox logo. Dun, 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 dun. And then it does that sweep and you get 26th Century Fox. And the moment I saw that, I knew I was on a winner. I'm like, they went to that detail. This is going to be fantastic. And I was not wrong. And the beautiful thing about it, you know, people say, oh, you've read the source material. It's ruined the movie for you. Not at all. I sat there and I went, oh, my God, the opening's just like in the manga. This is fantastic. Uh, there's a leader. Oh, it's happening. This is great. And then there were surprises, like the, the fight with Garishka in the underworld was completely different from what was in the manga. And the whole fist in the, fist in the eye and the F your mercy, that wasn't in the manga. That was that was movie only. And, and I was like, oh, wow, that, that's just sweet. And the way she finds the, the body in the movie, going to the crash spaceship that's not in the manga in the manga it's in in ido's basement and he just puts her in it yep boof that that's not in there and it's and it's an improvement on the story as far as i was concerned and then the on the pipe at the end that is exactly the same as the manga they did it exactly the same and when ido calls her and says he's gone up i'm like oh, they're gonna do it they're gonna do it they're gonna do it and they did ah oh, it's beautiful so it did not spoil it at all. It was fantastic. And I came out of that cinema. I was shaking. I was like, oh, oh, oh this is fantastic. And I wrote a, uh, wrote a review for my friends on um, Facebook. And I was like completely gobsmacked. I was just like Angelus. Was like, I, I was quite busy at work at the time. And it was another two weeks before I could go back to the cinema. I was just like, oh, my God. It was a high for two weeks just thinking about this. And go, oh, this is amazing. And and the music from um, uh, from Junkie XL, fantastic. The casting was brilliant. Uh, the work that Weta Digital did on it was groundbreaking. And the fact that, that it was ignored by, um, by the Academy was just, like, heartbreaking. And the reason it was ignored, because the CGI was so good, they could not tell it was CGI. They did not know, and I did not know until a couple of months later, that Alita's hair is completely CGI. 
She's riding on the back of that that uh, one wheel motorcycle called a gyro, and her hair's flapping in the wind, and there's little strands of it going everywhere, and you cannot tell that that sucker is not real. That CGI is. It's it's amazing, and I reckon that the guys from the academy, the old farts, sat down there and watched it and went, "Oh, this is nothing. She's got big eyes, but other than that, it's just normal." Where's the CGI? They could not tell, so they did not give it any awards. And I'm like, yeah. but anyway, so, um, I would say it's safe to say that as soon as you came out of there, it was your favorite movie. Like you had become it would jump to the top. Well, for 20 years since 1999, my favorite movie had been The Fifth Element. Now, a lot of people bag me for having that as my favorite movie, but The Fifth Element has some really good tight scripting. The acting is fantastic. It's a, it's a classic sci-fi adventure romp. And the, the linking between the scenes, the way that the, the, the end of one scene plays into the start of the next scene with the dialogue, it's fantastically written. Go back and watch that one and, and look at it for that, and you will see that it's a really well-put-together movie. Um, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it, but it was knocked off its pedestal after 20 years as soon as I watched The Leader Battle Angel. And I went back another nine times to the cinema uh, before it finished its run, which is not bad, but nowhere near the top of... I'm not even in the top 10 of the Elite Army for the number of times people went to the cinema. There's this German guy, he, he reckons... No, I don't know if this is true, but he's got a friend who runs the cinema. He reckons he saw it 312 times. Ooh, I'm not quite sure how that works. The The world record is supposedly 123 times from a guy in China. But um, this, this other guy claims that he saw it more times, but I guess it wasn't recorded. Like he didn't have all the ticket stubs because he was getting in for free, so he couldn't claim right. uh, that he did it. But um, yeah. I feel like so someone yeah. just claimed that for Spider-Man recently too, that they saw mm. it over 300 times. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know how, but... Anyway, that's... Well, every single time that I went to the cinema, it was an experience. As I've explained to a lot of people who've only ever seen it on DVD, it is an experience in the cinema. The 3D is amazing. Um, even, like, I, I bought a, um, uh, a 3D television, which you couldn't buy in 2019. You couldn't buy it off the shelf. You had to go and buy a second-hand one. So I've got a second-hand Samsung 55-inch curved screen. It's sitting up on the wall just over there, and I watch a leader and other 3D movies on it. And it's just fantastic. I mean, uh, although the 3D Avatar is great, and I have that to watch on my, my screen as well, the 3D in Alita just seems that little bit better. It has another nine years of, of tweaking on board. And you can actually see through her body and through Zapan's body, through the neck with his cables, uh, and you could see the depth in it. And it's just, it's just amazing to see in 3D. All right, well, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you in on a secret. I have a 3D TV. So there, I might have to go buy this one. I did not watch in 3D. Someone else had it, so I watched their copy. But I have a still, I still have a 3D TV that I bought in 2012, and that's cool. the reason I won't upgrade to 4K yet because you can't get one. And I, obviously, I didn't see in theater, but I'm a big proponent of home 3D over theater theatrical 3D. Yeah. I think home 3D just shines better for me personally. Well, it is probably the best 3D I've ever seen. And I know I'm biased, but it's yeah. worth spending the 25 bucks or whatever it is to get the the ultimate edition of the, the Blu-ray pack uh, and check it out. It is great. That's possibly why I um, only saw it the one time in the cinema, because I figured 
Wow, this is so good. I'll 100% get the uh, Blu-ray and or DVD or whatever and like just watch it a billion times at home sort of thing. And, and, and then I guess I sort of lost track. Uh, when I did go to watch it in the cinema, it was starting to get to the end of its runtime. So I missed out there. And I guess by the time the run, the, the cinematic runtime had finished, the impact hadn't... Like, I was still up on that cloud nine that I uh, mentioned earlier, so I uh, hadn't come back down yet to watch it again. And, yeah, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm just uh, glad that I even watched it at all. So, Well, there's this guy named Eddie McTrigger who left the, the fandom due to health issues, but um, when he was watching at the cinema, he does blocks of time where he works ridiculously hard and then he has a month off. And that month off was when Alita was showing and he went to see it 53 times in cinema and he would go and he would just watch her hair for the entire length of the movie. You know, he'd watch her eyes for the entire length of the movie um, and, and just focus in on one little thing and really, really, really enjoy it. Uh, but there's so much detail in this movie. The second time she opens her eyes in, in the bed, like she opens her eyes and looks around and closes her eyes again and then her eyes go and, and bounce open because she realises, oh, something's changed here, like she pro properly wakes up. In a cinema with really good Dolby, with, with good tweeters, you can hear the servos in her eyes when her eyes open, and you can hear it. And that's the level of detail in the audio processing that they went to. So, Angelus, you didn't see it but the once in theatre, but did you know immediately it was your favourite, or did it take till you got that Blu-ray and got to see it that it became your, your favourite? Well, uh, first up, Alita is definitely my, like, top, top favourite, and it joins uh, uh, two other movies um, in, um, in doing so. Um, and what I tend to do is, because Alita is always going to be my number one pretty much for the remainder of all time, or at least... Yeah, until the sequel comes out. Yeah, well, until that comes along. I always go, all right, so Elise is my first favourite, but uh, all the uh, I'll start listing all the other movies uh, that, you know, second place, third place, etc. But um, I'm going to go the opposite direction here and start off with what came before it and leading up to Alita. Uh, for me, and funny enough, in 1990, I uh, saw uh, the Ninja Turtles movie live action, uh, the one with the uh, Papa Puppetronics uh, by Jim Henson, I believe. Uh, I remember my dad uh, taking me to go see it, and it was so packed that they had like about three or four ushers guiding people in. Like we got a, a space for two, space for three, you know, any single people. You know, we can slot you in here, and um, and uh, so yeah, I went to watch that uh, quite a few times actually uh, at cinema, and then you know got the whole VHS because VHS was a thing back then. <laughs> and then uh, leading up to that, uh, I became a big fan of uh, Dragon Ball, watching that uh, growing up at seven o'clock in the morning before going to school, and then you know primary school, high school. And um, and so yeah, for much like the Fifth Element, for a very long time, uh, the Broly movies and uh, Ninja Turtles were the thing. You know, I collected all the figurines. I you know got all the comics. I uh, don't have a Dragon Ball Z 
uh, manga collection, but that's so huge that I figured that uh, I probably won't bother. <laughs> and it's still ongoing as well. But yeah, in 2019, Alita came along and like, you know, it's not even a passing of the torch, but uh, in a way it's considering that uh, like I grew up into that uh, Alita just sort of I guess joined the uh, that select few like uh, she joined the Ninja Turtles and Broly you know, up in the upper echelon of my top favorites the goats greatest of all times and what made her stand out is that obviously Dragon Ball and uh, Ninja Turtles were all from my childhood this came in during my adulthood and you know now that I'm older wiser you know I I guess it's I'm less impressionable because you know I've, I'm already grown into my adult mindset and for something like Alita to come along and just completely you know rewire my neural pathways it feels like it's it just well much like uh, we keep on saying it blew my mind at the time and and yeah, and that's how I uh, became involved. I, I just wanted anything, everything to do with the leader, whether it be merch, whether it be music, uh, figures, you know, much like the Ninja Turtles, but like here comes a cyborg from Mayan City. So uh, that's how she became my top favorite. And she's, you know, it's not to say that the Ninja Turtles or Broly are bad, but like I said, uh, I guess the best way of putting it is that they're all tied for first place. So in saying that, if I was to start listing all the people that were tied for first place, the first name I would always say would be a leader. And um, <laughs> so you could say she's the top of the first place pile. Okay, well, I gotta say I love that you brought up Ninja Turtles because that was actually the first movie I ever saw in a cinema so that one does hold mm. a special place in my heart for that reason so alright so we've talked a lot about it but tell everyone what Alita is about like the general story of the movie I, you've already talked a lot about the manga and you've talked about the movie some but just that overall synopsis you want to do that one Angelus I've talked a lot I thought you should have a talk <laughs> no, I, can, uh, I can do that I can take over Alright, so I'll try to keep the uh, manga and anime out of it and um, I won't spoil the many sort of, I guess, homages that it pays to the source material. But uh, essentially it's, uh, you know, what, let me do some maths here, what, four or five hundred years in the future, cybernetics is as prevalent as the, um, uh, the societal disparity uh, between the uh, upper class and lower class and it's physically represented uh, with the Zalem up in the sky city as it were being the upper class and uh, the people down in Iron City being the lower class and um, the it in, the first character that uh, comes on screen would be uh, Doc Ido and he's scrunching around because he's a cyber surgeon now, as you can imagine, down in Iron City, the with the lower class, not uh, people are going to have a lot of money. Not a, people are going to have a lot of resources, and those that are are either just really smart, really strong, or criminal. 
uh, and we, you know, another character comes into that as well. And so he's uh, going through the uh, what they call the scrapyard or the dump that comes up from Zalem because they, you know, they get the cream of the crop and uh, just give all the scraps and leftovers down to the people below because, you know, they're the laborers, they're the workers that, you know, feed the uh, upper class of Zalem, both metaphorically and literally. And, the floating um, city literally dumps its garbage onto Iron City below it. <laughs> literally. The, the first the, the scene shape is of it pouring is... out of the bottom of it. <laughs> yeah, the shape of uh, the uh, tube that it comes out of is uh, kind of, well, it has yes. to be seen to be believed. But <laughs> And um, so, yeah, and that's where he uh, uh, discovers a leader. And uh, because he's a cyber surgeon, uh, you know, he's a cyber doctor, basically, you know, much like a normal GP would be nowadays, but for cybernetics. And, you know, he doesn't have much money. He doesn't have much resources. So he's going around through the scraps as well, much like any other lower class citizen. And um, he discovers a leader, so brings her back, fixes her up. And, you know, whatever his motivations would be, uh, you do discover what they are later, but I won't, you know, uh, spoil too much of it. Uh, so he brings him back and fixes her up, and a leader is uh, is born, and that's I guess where the story really begins because um, like uh, both the character and uh, us as the audience, you know, they we don't know who she is, we don't know where she's from aside from being from Scrap or Dumb from Zalem, and yeah, the movie. Uh, as many uh, reviews will uh, uh, say, it's like a coming of age, no, not coming of age, or I guess it is in a way, but it's also a story of self-discovery as well. You know, you're discovering who you were in the past so you can decide who you want to be in the future. And, um, and yeah, and obviously she's going through this uh, reset, I guess is a really good word to use, uh, down in the lower class area as opposed to being uh, raised in the upper class area, you know, she gets a, a different sense of, uh, a different set of priorities, a uh, different set of influences uh, for those decisions that she makes for the future. And yeah, I mean, even on Radio Chaos, we've uh, discussed many uh, topics, you know, what if she was raised by someone else? What if she was raised somewhere else? And um, and yeah, it's just mind-blowing that um, uh, even going back to the uh, my, the favorite movie topic, again, I'm grateful that I saw it just at one time, but uh, uh, that one afternoon, I decided that you know, I'm bored, I want to go watch a uh, cinema movie, there's Alita and some other movie that I've forgotten because I ended up going watching Alita. And, um, you know, just to think that everything hinges on that one decision is, you know, it's moments like this. And uh, leading back into the uh, topic here, you know, because she's discovering herself, because she's, uh, you know, discovering who she is and deciding who she is like many of her decisions are going to be uh, profound like again is the best word that I can come up with and um, and yeah and you go through 
the various uh, elements that uh, do influence that, the criminal elements, the elements that uh, are born from Edo. And uh, again, South Balling. Yeah, and the fifth element. Sorry, I had to put that in there. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, and it goes through the entire movie. That's like a very broad uh, review, if you want to call it that. Oh, and, a big, and yeah. a big part of the movie and its visuals is a sport called motorball, which is uh, cyborgs yeah. on wheeled feet that um, zoom around a track trying to kill each other at uh, up to a 150 mile an hour. So uh, it's uh, it's pretty uh, pretty exciting. It reminded seen... me of an upgraded version of rollerball, if you've seen that. Yes. From the 70s. In fact, oh, yeah, in fact there, is, there is a line in the movie which is a direct homage to um, roll the ball, 1975. So uh, look for that one. Bonus point if you can pick up on it when people watch it. Yeah, go watch the movie. So, Angelus, I noticed you said something. You came at it, seemed like you came at it from a different point than Max over here. Because you said you just chose it between two movies. So were you not familiar with all the mangas before you watched this? I was... uh familiar with her story but nowhere near as invested in every sense of the term emotionally i was nowhere near invested financially i didn't buy any merch i didn't own the vhs uh you know i saw i've seen the anime a few times i knew there was a manga but never owned it never read it and um as i like to say for me watching this movie on a whim of all things it completes the holy trinity if you will uh using a legend of zelda reference it is the the third point in the triforce it's uh like it completes just the overall picture uh that is a leader battle angel and um as i like to call her the mona lisa of the digital age you know watching that movie led me to buy all the manga it led me to even watched anime again just to sort of wow did that really happen it's like the references the, and i'd be taking screenshots and comparing them and yeah it's amazing how there are just so many references some of them are direct i wouldn't say rip-offs but uh you know they're taking it from the page or the manga or the uh, the cell animation of the anime and putting it directly into the movie sometimes and I applaud the movie for doing this, telling its own story. But like uh, fans that are aware of it will notice, will pick up on it instantaneously that, wow, that is a direct reference to what happened here. And I will give one example. So, you know, minor spoiler alert. But uh, in the underground fight scene that Maxime mentioned earlier, uh, Gruishka, or as he's, he's also known by another name in the manga, Gruwika. By the manga, if you want to find out, he's, he's known as Gruwika in the OVA and um, Mukaku in the manga. Yep, uh, where he turns into uh, basically says, uh, you know, I'll turn you into a living pendant uh, in which to adorn my chest so I can hear your voice pleading for mercy every day. And like, I basically, I had a scre- screenshot of. Uh, uh, that particular scene with the uh, subtitles up, for example, and then I'd have it uh, uh, opposite the manga panel that appears in, and it's almost 
almost, I say, word verbatim. Like you can see the direct reference, and it's clear from both uh, the the more direct and the more subtle references that the creators behind it, the script writers, the directors, producers, the cast, the crew, they all were passionate about what they did, and and yeah, that's what. Uh, uh, like I watched the movie, it led me to the manga, and you know now the manga is my most favorite story uh, for the most part because it's you know there's there's a sequel, <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah the movie will always hold that you know that special place in my heart as I mentioned earlier with the Holy Trinity uh, acronym no not acronym anagram whatever you want to call it I know there's a word for it and um, so yeah it's i did come from a different angle and but uh you know we all arrived at the same destination and that's uh fighting for the sequel right so that makes me i want to say because you guys have talked to a lot of people of this elite army are there any of them that are clamoring for the sequel that just loved the movie and didn't seek out the manga yes and go read all the stuff and watch the older stuff, the spin-offs, the OVA, as yeah, you call it. There, there are quite a few movie owners, yes. Okay. All right, so I'm sure this is something you guys have discussed countless times on Radio Chaos, but we're going to get into it. And that is what you would like to see when they, as you say, they get this sequel made. Not if they do, when they get it done. What you would like to see. I don't know if you have two different ideas, if you guys have, I don't know, however you want to come at it. I'll uh, get mine out of the way uh, first in case Maxi has, like, you know, he might get uh, inspiration from or ideas from what I say. He might have a completely different uh, ideas and they both would be valid. Uh, but for me, first up, I'd like to see a slightly longer runtime just so we can, you know, have more leader. Um, but I'd love to see more characters. And um, hence why I uh, want the, it well, not just want, but it needs the longer runtime. Because if you keep that short runtime and just start throwing in new characters, they're not going to have much of a backstory. They're not going to have much of a background. And uh, coming from uh, fans like me and even more movie-centric fans uh, won't know or won't be as emotionally invested in these characters and then they'll only be emotionally invested in a leader uh but yeah for me i'd love to see more of the more of the characters uh for example radio chaos uh that's a it's a radio station in iron city who it, where it's run by a character by the name of uh chaos slight spoiler alert he has a alter ego in a sense uh, called Den of Barjack. Uh, that's another character I'd like to see in the movie. Uh, you know, uh, Koyomi didn't die, so probably see more of her. Uh, see more of the, some more of like the supporting characters. So, one of the main points is, aside from having new characters come in, also see a little bit more of the pre-existing characters. Like uh, I. You know, I'm not complaining about the balance they have of the focus they had on a leader and the supporting characters. 
but you know obviously since some of them got killed off you can still sort of <laughs> replace them quote unquote with the uh these new ones coming in so uh so yeah uh they sort of wrapped up most of motorball but there's still a few elements of that story or that arc that like you know tying up loose ends uh so that's going to be a you know, I'd love to see at least a f like one or two more matches of that. And uh, as it's uh, among the manga fans, as it's uh, very commonly known, I'd love to see a lot of the uh, what they call the Badlands, or basically the area outside of uh, uh, of Iron City. And um, you know, you sort of see that uh, in the uh, uh, Erm Starship scene that's in the movie. Well, I say that because people won't know what I'm talking about unless they have watched the movie but once you do you'll see what I'm talking about but uh, you know you've got uh, all sorts of landscapes so to speak so the Badlands isn't just all desert and mountain mountainous areas I mean the they had they have to grow their own food so they've got to have farming or like a uh, farmable land somewhere sort of thing you know so um so yeah, so uh, more new characters, uh, some more involvement from pre-existing characters, and more environment overall. In specific, the uh, the Badlands is what I'd like to see. How about you, Max? Oh, can of worms here. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and Jealous went first for a particularly good reason because I have thought about this way too much. I've actually started writing a. Uh, uh, my own novelized version of a sequel, uh, which is up to 10 chapters at the moment. Uh, I've been on hiatus from that, but I need to get back to it. Uh, so the manga runs in these arcs. So there's the the Discovery arc, uh, the uh, Hugo arc, which is Alita falling in love with him and then his demise. Um, the uh, And then the Motorball arc after that. And then after that, there's uh, a bit of a time jump. And then there's... Um, what we call the Zerkapan arc, uh, and then there's um, the Badlands arc. So what Angelus is talking about is this Badlands arc where he wants he wants to get to that. He wants to sort of rush through and get to that because it's got some of his favourite characters and favourite stuff in it. Uh, but um, I'm more concerned with uh, the, the sequel being sort of tying up loose ends in the city before she goes out there. So I would hope that the, the next outing of Alita in cinemas would preferably be three hours so that there's enough time to actually get all this in because there's a lot of lot of material to cover. But um, there needs to be a conclusion to Motorball. Uh, she's got to um, play against Jashigan, who's obviously the, the biggest contender, and that needs to be um, finalised. And then uh, the other loose end is uh, what happened to Zapan. And uh, he, in the manga, has a, a big return uh, for vengeance. And uh, I'd love to see that played out on the screen because it is epic. Um, it is probably the most epic thing in the first half of the um, of the manga, uh, the first series of the manga. And I would love to see that happen as well. Although I'm a huge fan of Motorball, uh, the showdown with uh, the returned um, uh, Zapan is just mind-blowing. Uh, so I um, want to see that. So... 
what I'm expecting to see is again, they're going to layer the arcs rather than have them run sequentially just because they've only got, you know, a, a fixed amount of time to fit it into a movie. Uh, and it will be breakneck pace, obviously, because it's a movie. And um, we'll see uh, a winding up of the uh, motorball. And uh, we'll also see uh, the uh, return of Zapan and his attempt at revenge. Uh, which will be a, a huge fight. And then uh, something will happen to Alita. I don't want to spoil it all, but something will happen to Alita which will change her um, trajectory, as it were, and uh, then that will lead into the Badlands, uh, which will should be where it ends for me in, in the sequel. And then the third movie should be about the Badlands. And then I would hope that there was a fourth movie to finish up uh, that first run of... Uh, story from the manga so i really feel like it needs four movies to finish that up uh they may only get three in which case the badlands might be compressed and and have things you know removed uh for for the sake of runtime but um it is really fantastic story and i'm really looking forward to what they come out with in the sequel uh i could be off base with some of it in that the things that are happening in the um in the first movie don't match entirely what some of the characters are doing in the manga. So again, that will differ going into the sequel. So there will be things in there that will not be the same as the manga, which I don't mind. I mean, it's a different treatment. Um, I don't know if you're you, you're um, aware of uh, uh, IP called Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy by Douglas. Yeah, I haven't seen anything on it, but I've heard of it. At least the movie. Yeah. I don't know if it goes beyond yeah. that. So, it probably does. <laughs> so the movie is probably the least of of that series there's um uh like this guy did everything he did uh, a series of five books there was um a radio a really good radio play there was a tv series back in the 80s uh and then there was that movie i think it was the early noughties and he wrote wrote for all of them and every single one of them was different and he said it's a different medium the story requires a different telling and i follow that paradigm i believe that that's perfectly okay it's it's a story that follows the same the gist of the thing but it's not going to be a panel by panel retelling and that the manga purists get a bit upset about that but uh, this is a movie it's not a manga uh it, if the um if they ever make any more anime then they could you know get closer to the manga but this is a movie so it's, it's going to have to be different due to time constraints and i'm okay with that i i don't mind them the, the, the first movie was written so well. I mean, there's a few little issues because it was cut down. It could have used more backstory for some of the bad guys. You don't quite understand why they're doing certain things, which I understand because I've read the manga, but you shouldn't have to go to the source material to understand their motivations. It would have been nice if they could have had another 10 minutes. 10 minutes would have done it. You could have snuck in some backstory there, did a couple of flashbacks and stuff, and, and it would have been fine. But other than that, the movie really does hang together really well the, the first movie and if they continue in that vein you know if, the, if it doesn't get too disneyified and you know woked and stuffed up and putting uh message over story which always screws a movie um i've never seen uh, a heavy message story that was any good that they just wrecked, wrecked the story to get the message out there and and it's just heavy-handed and silly you want to entertain people and let the message sink in organically 
you don't want to be going message, 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 message. Oh, and there's a little story over here, but we're not worried about that because message, 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 message. Um, that just ruins it. And and it's, it's, I'm hoping that at some point they finally wake up to this and do it the right way around and it will actually work. Uh, but um, getting back to this movie, they it, it wasn't... It, it, the story came first and that's the important thing and it was well written. You know, it had a... It, it had like a 16-year... Um, uh, development time, which is lo a long time for a story development. Uh, then there's been an interview where they said that um, they'd probably take about six months to write the story for the next one uh, after Greenlight, uh, which is a lot quicker. Um, so it may not have the depth that the first movie had, but I'm hoping that it had, still has the same quality. Uh, but I'm looking forward to what they produce, and I'm hoping that they get to the end of what was happening in Iron City in in the next movie and that they do that big fight at the end because that's going to be epic. I'm so okay so i obviously tend to prefer movies but is this the type of thing that would benefit from like a long-running series whether on a halloween netflix would do it justice but maybe hbo max or hulu or one of those streaming services would that it it could be done well um but I just think that the well, it would it would have to be animated. You couldn't do it as a live action TV show just because of the expense of the CGI. Now that you've uh, made Alita fully CGI and done it to such a high quality for a movie, winding that back and making it look like crap for a series just would upset everybody. So I don't think they could do a live action series. I just don't think it would work. What they could do is an animated series which fills in the gaps and keep the main story in the movies. I think that would be the best way to do it. Like um, at the very end, the, the announcer saying in a couple of months, she's risen through the ranks to have her debut in um, the, the top league of motorball. You could have uh, one or even two season uh, series about her doing that. Or you could go back and have what happened on Mars before she came to earth, uh, her becoming uh, a Kunstler and a cyborg and all this sort of stuff. They, they could do all of that in, in animated series uh, and really fill in those gaps and, and get everybody really excited for the next movie uh, before they release the movie. Uh, but I don't think a live action would work because they just couldn't do it justice uh, with the expense of the CGI as it stands to do live action. They'd have to animate it. But that's fine. I mean, we love anime as well, so we'd be fine with that. But I'm pretty sure so. that Cameron wants the main story to stay in movie form. So... Two things, uh, Maxi. One, you mentioned earlier, uh, like you really need four movies. Uh, we do have hope in the sense that, uh, you know, Avatar's got five, for example. So there is no fixed number. Like, there's a, there's a word out there called trilogy. But, you know, I'm almost kind of glad that uh, Cameron is the one that's got the reins and he's not letting go like a pit bull. Uh, because... You know, he Cameron does what Cameron wants. What was I going to say? The other thing is, uh, without spoiling too much, there is a, a sort of what two month time gap uh, at the end of the movie or time at skip. Sorry, is the, uh, and that would be that's like dead set perfect for an animated series. Like in a way, uh, using Star Wars for example, uh, Rogue One is like a a bit of a, a filler movie. Star Wars Rebels, I think it's called, 
is a series that's like you know filling in the Clone Wars or bits and pieces of it, uh, stuff like that. And you know, a, a series for that uh, time skip would be perfect because it explains you can show all the uh, motorball matches that people are clamoring for. You know, once they sort of go crazy and nuts over the sequel, you know, it'll show uh, even further progression, and you can afford to focus or pull back a little bit on the focus of a leader and put more on the other side characters in this case being some of the motorball uh motorballers so so yeah there's always that well there's the whole backstory of jashigan which um it would be good for them to fill in uh because he's a major player for the end of that arc so they've only they've only just shown him a little bit in the first movie so it would be good to have more info on him so i think they could fill that in in that series quite easily one thing I did want to uh, just touch on was the rating for this movie, uh, PG-13. So those who haven't read the manga uh, wouldn't be aware of this, but it's quite brutal. It's it's one of those ultra-violent uh, sort of uh, no-holes-barred dark future kind of settings, uh, people having their brains exploded and dying all over the place, and, you know, blood splattered against walls and all sorts of brains splattered against walls, and... They couldn't do that in a PG-13 movie. Uh, I think they did a really good job in working around that with the blue cyber blood and um, and the way they shot it. But um, the manga purists are, are, are sort of not very happy with the PG-13 rating or would have preferred an R rating with you know more graphic violence. Uh, I can understand that, but uh, I know why they went PG-13. It was to increase the appeal and get more bums on seats and and make it more profitable because it's quite hard to make an unknown IP profitable with an R rating. So that's why they did it. And I think that um, uh, Robert Rodriguez did a fantastic job in making it fit the mold for PG-13. They, they pushed the envelope in certain scenes and I, I've been told that they got lucky in that some days the, the sensors can be rough and other days they are looking the other way. And I guess they got the day when they were looking the other way because it got through, maybe because Cameron said, let it through. And they went, okay. <laughs> but, um, you know, because Cameron can do what Cameron wants. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's a good movie for what it is. It, it might have had a little bit more impact if uh, it was an R-rated movie with more violence in it. But um, for what it is, I think it, it stands up really well. Uh, no, I completely agree, and that was something I actually did want to ask you about, was if this thing got, because I noticed that too, I was like, this thing seems pretty violent, like for PG-13, and I, I have heard the ratings board, if you take blood and don't make it red, like make it green, make it blue, they'll let you slide. If that had all been red, probably wouldn't have got through the sensors, exactly. from what I've heard though. Well, there's there's two puddles of blood in the in the movie which are red, but they're very quick flashes. You don't get to see them for very long, so they must have just let those ones slide. Uh, right. Yeah, and, yeah. I just meant like if certain scenes yeah. was like full yeah. on. Yeah, you can get away with some, but I think if they had made it all red all the time, they wouldn't have. Uh, they wouldn't have gotten away with that. Yeah, um, and you know, uh, PG thirteen gets one f bomb. And there's right. a lot of um, websites that have rated the F-bomb in a leader as one of the best of all time. Uh, it was very well placed. It surprised me because there's no swearing at all in the manga. And, um, and yeah, it was it a was fantastic scene. Uh, we have a colleague, uh, his name's online is Muskogee Creek. 
uh, we call him Creaky. Uh, he's a 8,000 year old power lifter. Well, actually he's 73, but we call him 8,000 years old. And um, he's a big fan of Alita. And that's when he fell in love with the movie and the character when she dropped that F-bomb. But it, I, I won't spoil a scene for those who haven't seen it, but go and see it. It's great. So this next part gets a little tricky because this is a movie, you guys. One, it's only three years old. came out in 2019. Two, everyone... That's part of this lead army is clamoring for a sequel. And a lot of times I do older movies. So I do, I go, who would you re- recast it with? New movie, that's kind of hard. I think you guys liked everyone in the movie. So I don't know how, when well, you I guys did. saw this question, I don't know how you wanted to attack this one. Angelus has some suggestions. Pretty good, right? Yeah, uh, me and Maxie discussed this particular section and uh, said it would probably be best if I go first. Now, like, the casting is littered with, you know, award-winning talent. So you could, like, you could almost take people out and put other people in. And, you know, they're not going to, if they're not suited or designed for it, they're not going to put them in there. But, like, uh, in hindsight, Rosa Salazar, that plays a leader, is what I call the main draw card. And for me you'd be shooting yourself in the foot if you recast your draw card. The main reason, the primary reason, perhaps for some the only reason that people even go to watch the movie would be for that. So to to do that, you, yeah, like I said, you, you would be shooting yourself in the foot. And uh, I'm sure if you even just Google it, you'd find examples of like uh, uh, recastings that have... Um, uh like uh destroyed like movies uh and franchises alike but as for other roles one particular role and i know he comes up a lot willem dafoe i'd love to see like i reckon he could possibly make a good nova uh as an example not just in the ex- uh, aesthetics looks but he's definitely got the talent um he's definitely played villains he's also played good guys as well before but again, same thing could be said of Edward Norton. Um, Vector, who's played by Mahashala Ali. No, it's left my mind. I did have one recasting for him, but you know he's out of there now. Uh, Jashigan, uh, uh, one of my uh, other favorite actors, uh, who I'm also sort of fan casting as a one character that hasn't been introduced yet. Uh, Scott Adkins, uh, you know, he could have made a really good Joshua Gunn as well. Uh, and if it comes to any physical fight scenes that, you know, will most likely occur in the sequel, he'd be great for that because he's also got that skill set as well. Chirin, you could almost pick any, like, uh, female actor worth their salt and put her in place. I mean, after all, uh, as Maxie said, she's only in the uh, anime and there is no Chirin character in the manga, but in the anime, she was blonde. And obviously, uh, Jennifer Connelly is a brunette or you know, dark-haired. But I mean, that didn't affect the story at all. That didn't affect uh, her performance or how she portrayed the character. And, you know, like uh, the, the, the core motivations and reactions of the character of Chirin in the anime were there in the movie as well you know at the beginning 
like when she was very sort of, you know, angsty in a way, uh, when she was very against the world and, you know, wanted to, a slight spoiler alert, wanted to get back after Zalem uh, at any cost. Uh, it does go a little bit more on that, but again, watch the movie if you want to find out more. Um, but, you know, things happen in the movie and uh, she gets influenced uh, in her personality changes. Uh, whether it's good or whether it's for the better or for the worse, you know, you'll just have to watch the movie to find out. But, um, uh, so yeah, uh, I didn't really have many uh, actresses to replace her, but I mean, uh, for Alita, it came down to uh, Rosa, uh, Zendaya, uh, Micah Monroe who's a slight a bit of a scream queen as they call it herself and I think Bella Thorne might have been a fourth choice I'm not too sure but uh, yeah and obviously uh, Zendaya and Micah are I guess uh, have bigger stars than Rosa Salazar or at least at the time of the casting anyway since then obviously Rosa's become a much bigger star uh, so yeah, uh, uh, as the story goes, uh, when they auditioned for it, I don't know whether it was her personality, I don't know whether it's because, you know, they have a, the same background, upbringing, whatever the case may be, because they're both, uh, Rodriguez and Salazar are both Hispanic, for example, so they're very open with their emotions, they're very, I don't know if extroverted is a way to put it, but they're very... Uh, affectionate in displaying their emotions and uh, so when uh, uh, Rosa Salazar auditioned for it you know she quite literally uh, made Rodriguez cry because uh, much like my first experience with the uh, movie Alita I was that mind-blown that uh, and uh, Rodriguez himself uh, claimed essentially the same reason so he had to go back to that audition tape and re-watch it you know at least once more perhaps probably a few more times and that's when he like you know you know he got the feels in the chest sort of thing like and said you know this is the one if I had any say in the matter and you know you'd think you'd have quite a lot of pull as the director he'd, uh, he'd say you know I want Rosa Salazar as a leader there's no one else and um, again in hindsight there's really no one else I wouldn't recast as her. Everyone else, again, like I said, they all did a fantastic job. But yeah, you just don't recast your main your main draw card. And yeah, that'd be it for me. Sounds entirely fair. Um, I, I also think that the casting in this movie was pretty much on point. Uh, there's only a few side characters that um, didn't really get much of a showing. Um, that they could possibly, you know, change up uh, for a sequel. Um, recasting the entire movie here, I just couldn't imagine it without Rosa, um, Jennifer Connelly. Um, they could have possibly picked a younger man for uh, Dyson Ido and swapped out Christoph Waltz, but, I mean, he did such a good job of it. And the movie went for a whole mm. wholesome sort of father-daughter relationship, so having him older work there, but... In the manga, Ido's quite a bit younger. Uh, it's it's kind of hard to imagine 
uh, Ido, played by Christoph Waltz, as being a successful um, hunter warrior and fighting cyborgs when he's a meat boy. Uh, but um, you know, so somebody younger might have made that a little bit more believable. Uh, also, uh, Koyomi has been aged up in the manga. She's a baby. Um, in fact, Koyomi means calendar in Japanese, and she's actually the calendar for time jumps to tell how far they've jumped forward by what her age is. Uh, but that's obviously not a thing in the movie because they're overlapping the um, the story arcs. So it, it wasn't important. So they um, aged her up so she could be a friend to the leader. Uh, and obviously Nurse Gearhead doesn't exist in, in the manga. There's oh, uh, another character. About her too, yeah, yeah um, a male character who's a friend of Ido's. Um, I'm trying to remember what his name is, but it just left my brain. Um, Gonzu. Gonzu, thank you. Yeah, so Gonzu was replaced with Nurse Gearhead, uh, probably because it was a bit male-heavy and they wanted to have a female uh, co sort of person working with him which i think works uh for the movie uh but possibly that could be recast as a guy uh, i haven't really got anybody in mind for gonzu uh, he was a little short guy with a metal plate on the top of his head um but he, he seemed sort of sagey and stuff like that so he was interesting but the uh, two i wanted to talk about was obviously nova who we only see a little bit of because uh, he talks through other characters during the movie Edward Norton does a fantastic job. Looks a lot like the manga character, but we don't really get to see him play Nova particularly much. Uh, but uh, if I had to replace him, and obviously I don't have a good knowledge of current actors. My knowledge is for older actors. So I'm kind of going back in time a little bit. I think Rutger Hauer could have done a really good Nova back in the day when he was younger. He's obviously oh, too old to Oh, he's now. a good choice. Yeah, but he... he I mean, you, you watch him in um, Blade Runner... Uh, with that, with that um, fantastic monologue at the end, and you go, oh yeah, he could play Nova. He could totally do it. And the other side character, well, he's a side character at the moment, but he will be important in in the start of the next movie. Is uh, the character the guy who plays um, Jashigan, uh, and he's actually Australian, and he's not actually on this list, so <laughs> I can't just cheat and pull his name up. Um, do you remember who it was? Uh, what, yeah, who played, played him? Yeah. Jai Courtney. Jai Courtney, thank you. Yeah, so Jai Courtney, oh. um, he he didn't look a lot like um, uh, the manga version. The manga, ver- manga version of, of Jashigan has long blonde hair and a re- really haughty sort of look, whereas Jai Courtney looked more businesslike and had short curly hair, uh, which makes more sense for the helmet, I guess, but it, it, it didn't really feel like Jashigan to me. So... Uh, the the actor that I was thinking could have done that is David Beckham back in in the early noughties. He's got that look, that sort of haughty look with the long blonde hair. Um, he would have made an excellent uh, uh, Jashigan at that age. Um, you know, strong features, can sort of look down his nose at you because he's, he's got a, a longish nose and the long blonde hair sort of cascading down to his shoulders. Uh, I think he would have made a really good Jashigan being a little bit closer to the original and the manga. But um, like I said, the movies are reimagination, so these characters aren't always going to look the same. But I thought those were two that could have been tweaked up. Uh, But otherwise, you know, I thought the cast did a fantastic job and they really fit the bill uh, for those characters. They they could have recast um, Hugo into somebody a little bit more weedy um, to to match the manga more. But it makes more sense that, you know, it's a good-looking guy uh, on screen, uh, you see him there, and he looks 
um, attractive enough to have attracted a leader at first glance. So it sort of works in a visual sense for the movie. So I don't know that I'd change him out, but you know, if you wanted to get more closer to the to the original source material, you could have picked somebody who was a little bit more weedy, like maybe Daniel Radcliffe or something like that when he was a bit younger, just to to try and get that sort of that look. But I, I personally wouldn't change that. But yeah, I mean, it's a really well cast movie. That, as um, Angela said, there's great actors in there playing parts. There's there's lots of Academy Awards in that movie, and they're not in the main parts. Uh, like like there was some complaints about, oh, why did you cast the practical practically an unknown for such a for such a, a high uh, cost movie? Uh, and it was a case of because she made the director cry when she tried out for the movie. She is the epitome of a leader, and that's why um, you know we we were celebrating her birthday this weekend, and we follow her in all the other things she does, and she's fantastic. So good on you, Rosa Salazar. We hope to see her in many more Alita movies uh, very soon. Yeah. Okay, so I know I know I want to ask you this real quick before we move on. I know you guys bring up the James Cameron of it all, but do you want Robert Rodriguez to keep directing these? I think um, or do you want Cameron to take that over? Well, I mentioned this uh, early on Radio Chaos, uh, and it's a case of either or, really. Uh, I don't. By the time, like even now, it's already in uh, various uh, digital and uh, news outlets. But you know, there's a you know, Cameron's thrown out there that you know, if it gets to later on in his life or or if his priorities change he might not direct or choose to direct avatar four and five maybe he might all of a sudden develop wanted to uh start developing on uh, other projects <coughs> lead a sequel and um uh so he might end up wanting to go back to directing uh that being said if he goes on a completely different tangent yet again you still have that incredible backup that is Robert Rodriguez. Like everyone's familiar with the way he works. Everyone's familiar with the way he's told the story. Um, uh, an example of his, at least I'm fairly certain it was his decision, but uh, in the uh, novelization, uh, there's an ending scene where a leader uh, slices through uh, tap water or dripping tap water and like basically like cuts is so accurate that she cuts like a, a drop of water in half but uh, due to the emotional impact and what happened uh, leading up to that event uh, a leader is uh, crying uh, a single she, uh, a teardrop like falls from her face and she cuts that instead and then you quite literally see two teardrops drop down instead of the one and I thought that was very, very poignant. And so, yeah, when it comes to uh, like who direct, like Cameron is the maestro. He is what I call the godfather of cinema. So, yeah, you put his name on anything, it'll make you a billion bucks. <laughs> um, well, I mean, obviously not in the case of a leader, but uh, that's a completely different story. Uh, it was fighting an uphill battle to begin with. But yeah. Uh, you know, because uh, Cameron couldn't do it at the time, who knows if he can do it again in the future. Uh, you know, Rodriguez stepped up to the plate and 
he, what I say, managed to crack the Cameron code. He managed to take a script written by him and uh, and told uh, a Cameron movie. And you know, you do feel those elements in there. And he still managed to even throw in elements of his own as well. So that's another uh, uh, like a feather in Rodriguez's cap. So yeah, to I guess basically answer the question, it's like uh, you know, yes, I'd probably say you know Cameron is the best. So most, even myself, would uh, naturally lean towards wanting him to direct because you know you can't go wrong with Cameron. But uh, if he's unavailable, then you know you've got such a strong safety net with Rodriguez that you know. You know you're in a safe spot, whichever way the the dice rolls. And that's how I feel about both, uh, both uh, Cameron and Rodriguez. My feeling on the matter is that um, the the whole uh, location was changed from uh, uh, the state of Kansas, where it's it's based in the manga, to Central America. Uh, and that was done because of the physics of uh, a space elevator, which is what uh, Iron C- uh, uh, sorry, uh, Zalem, the, the floating city, actually is. It's connected to a space elevator that runs up to orbit. And uh, you can't actually put those off the equator. They have to be on the equator or else they spin out of control and break up. You, you, you uh, Physically, with the way physics works, you can't do it. You've got to have them around the equator. So... Um, they they moved it there because Cameron prefers things to be um, scientifically accurate, or at least vaguely scientifically accurate. Uh, and it sort of worked in Rodriguez's favour in that he brought a Latino element to it, and you can you can see it in the movie. It's 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 quite obvious, and it works for the location. And if he was then to step aside and Cameron took over, you might lose that sort of Latino element, which I think would miss uh, being based where it is. Mm. Um, Having said that, also, the reason why they had to work with the $200 million initial budget, which was brought down with um, tax breaks and incentives and things like that, uh, was that um, Cameron, being a a bigger uh, draw card uh, as a director, would have got the budget for two and a half hours, whereas because it was Rodriguez, they could only push for a budget for two hours. Uh, That's why they only got $200 million instead of $250 million. Uh, and because um, they sort of had to make it shorter, there was corners cut and, and, and things that would have made the, the narrative a little bit stronger were cut out of it, like, like backstories and stuff like that, and training montages and things, uh, which I would have liked to have seen in an extended version, but, you know, the cost of doing the extra CGI, they just didn't have the money to do that for a DVD release. But um, uh, the upshot of Cameron coming back would be they'd get more budget basically, which would mean we could have a longer movie, which would then serve the story better, but then it might not set, serve the setting better because of the way uh, uh, Rodriguez has brought the Latino element to it. Having said that, uh, Rodriguez did a fantastic job of filming in a Cameron-esque manner, but he, he brought his own camera angles and camera style into it, especially through motorball, where it's got that fast pace, but everything is clearly visible. There's no shaky cam uh, there's no sort of missing the action. You can see exactly what's going on. And Rodriguez is well known for that. And he did a fantastic job in this movie of making notable pop 
and being really understandable and really visible and being able to tell what's going on from the get-go. And I thought that was fantastic. So, you know, he brought things to it that Cameron might have might have faltered on even. Uh, so, you know, I mean, they've, they've got their strengths. Uh, Cameron in the in the money department, Rodriguez in the high-speed action department and the Latino department. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, you will get a slightly different movie depending on who's who's doing it, but I think they both love the character and love the IP and, and love making movies and love doing a great job with them, and I think either one of them could produce a fantastic sequel, uh, but they will be, you know, a little bit different. But I, I'd be happy. I just want one. I don't care. <laughs> I, I do care who directs it, but in the end, they'll both do a good job, so just make a sequel for me, guys. I'll be happy. Just uh, standing on what uh, Maxi said, Cameron, yes, Cameron does demand a bigger budget and mainly because people know that when he does, if you give Cameron money, he'll make something special. Uh, what makes Rodriguez special is that he will milk whatever budget you be, uh, you give him. And like he, again, something uh, special that I always say about Rodriguez is he has a Midas touch whatever you give him he'll turn it into gold sort of thing you know he, he can make a movie out of, out of a seven thousand dollar budget and clearly he's made a movie made out of a 200 million dollar budget uh and um <clears throat> uh, and as max was saying before he could only uh push for a budget you know for a two uh two hour movie or in this case you know two hours 12 minutes who's counting um but um but yeah he made that to like he spent every dollar of that 200 million dollar budget and spent it well and like yeah that's the that's the plus we will see complete like a uh, different movies but uh as i will finish up by saying that uh as kishiro yukito kishiro the creator of alita as he put it, uh, both movies would keep the spirit of Gunnam, will keep the spirit of Alita's story front and center at its core, and that's key. That's what made it successful in the first place, and that's what will continue to make it successful. Yeah. Okay. Got one last thing I want you guys to do, and then I'm going to get you out of here. And that's. I know a lot of the people of the Alita Army are probably going to listen to this, but there are going to be some people that have never seen Alita. So, taking the manga and all the backstory, all those things, I want you to sell that, give a final pitch on why they should see this, just as a standalone movie, why they should seek this out and give it a chance and become a member of the Alita Army. Uh, something just has popped into my head, and since I'm prone to forgetting things, uh, sorry, Maxi, but I'll go first again. <laughs> Um, if you're a fan of sci-fi, give this movie a go. If you're a fan of any of the actors, whether it be Rosa, whether it be Christopher Waltz, any one of them, even the side characters, give it a go. If you're a fan of cyberpunk, if you played cyberpunk 2077, like, for a thousand hours plus, give like the movie you a go. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that too. Yeah, if you if you don't like or I don't won't say hate or don't like, but if you never thought that you would like sci-fi, if you never thought you would like cyberpunk, give it a go because 
it is my like uh, in both an objective and biased point of view if any movie would sell you on those points whether you're a pre-existing fan or you're like a completely new one this would be the movie or at least one of few movies that will draw you in and you know who knows it might uh, like become your bar of chocolate again I'm I'm littering I'm almost literally uh, not expanding on things that I said throughout this uh, podcast uh, and saying you know go watch a movie if you want to find out more go watch a movie if you want to find out more uh, it's not just me selling the movie it's like there's a reason and the reason why I don't expand on that is because you will lose that emotional impact emotional investment uh, that the movie literally sells itself on uh, so yeah it's this is the movie that will sell you on all of those things this will be the movie that will suck you in will draw you in whether you're a pre-existing fan whether you know the manga whether you don't uh, whether you just like sci-fi in general or you don't you know um, say for example you didn't like uh, rom-coms and yeah let's just say if this was uh, this would be the movie that would make you like that genre of movie so whatever you think a leader is a cyberpunk sci-fi all of the above give this movie a go uh, and I will end this uh, on a, a factor that made me made that final decision of watching a leader at the cinema and something that I do for movies whether it be blu-rays or cinemas itself is that I'll look up reviews or uh, trailers on YouTube and I saw how much flack this movie was getting and it wasn't the fact that you know I love the movie and I hated them for giving that flack uh, I was already sort of you know not liking critics at the best of times at the worst well I can't say that on air uh, but you know I thought you know this movie is getting so much crap compared to the other choice that I had that you know what I'm gonna give you the goose for those that have seen Top Gun you'll know what I mean uh, you know I'll flip them the bird give them the middle finger and I'm gonna go watch this movie and make my own decision and you know uh, as my final word of selling this movie to you guys I implore you to do the same go watch this movie make your own decision sure yes being be influenced by trailers be influenced by critics but don't let them make the decision for you you do that you have the power to you know give them the money or not and like I said I much like myself Maxi pretty much literally everyone in the fandom go see it for yourself make your own decision make your own opinion and if you still don't like it then you know that's the way the cookie crumbles it's just not your cup of tea but uh, and this is the bias side of me coming out I just don't see that happening <laughs> so yeah that's uh, me selling the movie well um, I'll, I'll take a swing at it but uh, rather than you know you have heard the um, emotion in my voice telling you about this movie. So you know I'm biased as hell, right? Okay. So people don't tend to want to listen to people who are biased because, you know, it's not 
super objective. So rather than me telling you how I feel about it, I'll bring up a whole bunch of stuff that happened around the movie that other people have said and I have experienced and sell you it through other people and they will be more objective than me. Okay, so uh, when the movie came out, as Angela said, it got a whole heap of flack. There's possibly some reasons for that to do with the merger and they were trying to devalue it so that they didn't have to uh, Disney didn't have to pay so much there was also a Disney movie that came out around the same time that the people were matching up to get uh, against each other uh, and they were trying to pump that one up while pushing a leader down uh, there's no proof for this stuff there's a lot of anecdotal evidence uh, but that's water under the bridge the advertising wasn't great because the advertising team were looking for new jobs because they knew they were going to lose theirs during the merger. Um, so it wasn't well advertised in some areas. Uh, but still, um, you know, if you if you love a movie, if you love any camera movies, go see this one because he had a lot to do with it. If you love Robert Rodriguez's style, go and see this movie because it sure as hell is in there. Um, if you love anime, go and see this movie because uh, not oh, just myself, but a whole lot of other people that. believe it's the best manga slash anime to uh, live action adaptation barring none this movie uh, has obviously once you've seen it you will see that it has been created with love all the way down to the core Uh, the people who we've interviewed a lot of people involved in the production from people who made costumes uh, to people who were standing around in said costumes for lighting effect get the lighting effects right for the CGI to be produced uh, we've interviewed minor actors, and every single one of them have been wonderful people. Every single one of them said they loved being on set. They enjoyed everything they had to do with the movie. Even even the people who were pulled in from from around the local town area to be bit part players, to to be background people, to be extras in the motorball scenes and stuff like that. Uh, and you know, it was winter time. They had to stand out in the cold for hours, and they didn't care. They had a great time. It was fun to be involved with this movie. And when the people involved in it are having fun, it shows in the final product. You get a fantastic movie. And and um, that was them saying that. Go back and watch any one of our guests that have come on um, Radio Chaos um, and you will see them waxing lyrical about how much fun they had. Uh, and that tells you how good the movie is if you won't don't want to believe somebody who's invest as invested myself or angelicis but this movie got a lot of flack as was mentioned uh at the beginning uh and it had 32 percent on rotten tomatoes uh before it opened uh and then it started making money and the uh, reviews were at 94 percent uh from from the the viewers and that's a huge difference, thirty-two percent from from the from the critics, which um, you know, critic comes from the word critique, which is to give an unbiased opinion of positives and minuses, right? But critics these days work off criticize, and that's what they do. They criticize movies, and they got it wrong. It's critique, not criticize. <laughs> Uh, so they, they, they basically got the idea wrong from the very beginning. But there was a lot of cri- criticism for this movie and some of it was just so, it's pulling such a long bow that you're like, what is wrong with you? It's like, <laughs> where did you get that from? Um, complaining about a, a leader cyborg figure with a wasp waist and too big a boobs. And I'm like, she's an, a, a mega athlete. That's like a B cup at best. How can she have too big a boobs? What? Where are you getting this from? Um, 
so basically they were they were sticking the knife in because that that was the trend at the time since then the the cart has turned and a lot of people who are reviewing it now are very positive about the movie because it hasn't got that stigma attached by the devaluation for the merger uh but um we see people ever since 2019 every week there's people tweeting out oh my god i just saw a leader battle angel uh, why did I sleep on this movie for so long? It is fantastic. Where's the sequel? You can find a tweet every single week, and we have people that we don't know are tweeted this out there. Where's the sequel? This is fantastic. I want more. And this and, is people um, outside the fandom as well. Yeah. Uh, well, they're not outside the fandom for very long because they end up joining <laughs> the fandom. But, um, yeah, that we, we've got a, um, uh, a sequetition running. It's been running since early 2019. It's up to 176,000 signatures, which is not insignificant. Uh, and um, there was this one tweet that, that I want to bring up from 2019. Somebody had tweeted about their mother, said, um, I introduced my mother to Twitter to give her something to do because she didn't have any hobbies. And she ended up getting sucked into the Elite Battle Angel fandom. And I don't know why. She's not even her favorite movie. <laughs> and uh, you can't see Josh, but he's cracking up. And that is the whole point of the fandom. The fandom is so much fun and so positive that people just join it because it's fun. They don't even, they're not even into the movie. Um, so that's the reason they joined the fandom. But the fandom is about getting the sequel. Um, there's a few hurdles still to get over. Uh, I think when. Um, Avatar 2 finally hits theatres after all this COVID bullshit and smacks a billion dollars out of the park or more. Uh, he will have paid back his billion that he owes Disney through getting it from Fox. And Fox bought that um, uh, um, that debt that he owes them when they took over 20th Century Fox. But um, once that's all paid back and he's back in the black, then he will get money for a leader and we will get a sequel. That's what I'm expecting. He's maxed out his credit card. He's got to pay it off. Once it's paid off, there will be money for an Alita sequel. That's what I see. Early 2023, there'll be a green light announcement. This is a bit of a plug for the fandom as well uh, while you're on this subject. And I want to get this out, especially for some listeners. To give yourself an idea of the kind of, like, how open of a fandom uh, and how positive we try to keep it. Uh, For example, we do a lot of fundraisers uh Ooh, yeah. like for example we uh flew a banner over the oscars you know saying a leader hashtag leader army hashtag leader sequel uh that only cost a set amount like i don't know one grand two grand something like that it was 1235 dollars if i remember correctly yeah but of US. course we raised much more money than that so we kept it open for a, a longer length of time and basically said any excess that we get will give out to uh charity whether it be feeding the uh feeding america or open bionics or that one was open bionics basically uh Mm. we were getting so much money in from from the fandom they they were you know keen to back it even though it had already been funded that we said okay we got our target uh, within 24 hours there was a young lady um uh tilly Tilly. lockie who had had both of her forearms amputated Uh, early in her life and she had been granted um, two uh, uh, robotic arms uh, through um, Cameron and 20th Century Fox and and that was part of the opening uh, of the the red carpet of the movie and she's over in England and she's since become an ambassador for Open Bionics 
And we saw that and we said, well, that was fantastic what um, Cameron did. Let's try and do something similar. So we, we decided we were going to put that money towards open bionics. And we actually had, um, we, were, we were supporting one arm, which was $12,000, but the, that's only to purchase the arm. You also need uh, money for fittings and resizings and all of the travel and everything that goes with it. So it was, it was about $18,000 all up. And we had another fundraiser for another banner, which ran over, and we kept that open, and that pushed pushed the extra funding all the way to eighteen thousand. So we ended up fully funding uh, a cybernetic arm for uh, one uh, lucky recipient who wouldn't have got it otherwise, and he received that um, earlier this year, and that was fantastic. That that was finally uh, fulfilled, and uh, that he he's also wanting to go on. Uh, to become an ambassador for Open Bionics and run his own YouTube channel and all this sort of stuff. And he would otherwise have just had to deal with, um, you know, like uh, uh, unpowered um, prosthetics and things like that uh, from, you know, like the last mm. century. Uh, but now he has a fully functioning cybernetic replacement, uh, which works off uh, uh, movements of the stump to, to make the hand open and close and, and do what it needs to do. So um, it's fantastic that we were able to do that. Yeah, so that truly is awesome. <laughs> uh, with this part, with this particular banner in question, uh, it was flown over the Oscars, and uh, Rosa Salazar herself obviously saw this. Uh, and at the time, she was predominantly on Instagram, and like she put out there uh, that you know, like the Oscar for the best fandom goes to hashtag Leader Army. Uh, there are other various uh, what I call funny tweets where um like a a random uh female said i wish i had a guy fight for me the way the leader army fight for a sequel and um other another example again is you know if the apocalypse come you know that the uh people that survive on the other end one of like part of that will be the leader army (laughs) and um it's just general stuff like that we do you know we do have our shortcomings. We do have have had our history, but we've been lucky to avoid the worst of it. And you know, we've been lucky that we've managed to be to stay positive, and you know, keep our core group together. And you know, you don't have to be part of the leader army to love it. You can be a casual fan as well. So as an extra selling point for, to go watch the movie, you know, just because you watched it. You know, we don't expect you to go, like, tweeting, Instagramming, TikToking, you know, whatever the case may be. Although, if you've got a creative mind, again, I definitely implore you to let that creativity open and you'd be surprised at what you can make and put out there. But, um, but yeah, like, with all these tweets, with all the social media, with all the uh, video edits, photo edits, fan artwork... You know, it existed before the movie came, but it just exponentially exploded after the movie. And if uh, that isn't an extra selling point, you know, there's just there's just a whole much more beyond that. And and yeah, like I've uh, you know I came in from a different direction as we mentioned at the beginning, and I've you know I've sat back, I've stepped back, and I've taken a look at the history. And I've seen that progression for myself. And it's all because 
Alita Battle Angel was released February 14, 2019. And this is just one movie. You know, imagine what they can do with a trilogy or four or five and then chuck in an animated series, chucking a, a, a revamped computer game or reskinned game. Uh, you know, the, just the, it's mind boggling what you can do with this, uh, the potential that this property has. And, well, let's just say I won't mention Disney because then we'd go down a much darker path. But, <laughs> but Disney yeah. Disney you want to give you said dollars make more <laughs> so yeah like and like this just all leads back into something in the movie so if uh listening to this podcast has you know even piked your interest please just just give it a go and make your final decision exactly that your final decision all right i think that's I don't think you can sell it any better than that. That's going to wrap it up. So why don't you guys once again give a plug for where they can find you and for you, Max, your podcast, and the Radio Chaos. Tell everybody where they can go find all this good stuff. Well, uh, there's a lot of uh, Alita Army action on Twitter. Use the hashtag Alita Army and you'll you'll find lots of tweets. We just had a, a tweet storm for Rose's birthday. So there'll be a lot of tweets out there with Rosa Salazar and and Alita Army and Alita Sequel and all those sorts of hashtags kicking around. But uh, there's Facebook groups. Um, uh, there's uh, the Alita Army live stream, which happens every Saturday, which uh, Angelus and I are the hosts of. Uh, I have a uh, blog site, which uh, has Alita Sequel. Um, uh, it's um, Alita, Alita Fallen Angel. Um, dot home dot blog uh i believe is the is the web address uh but um i'll look that up yeah uh, if you google alita army you will find heaps of uh people doing youtube videos uh facebook groups tweets um and all sorts of good stuff that, that you can uh, get interested in after you watch the movie and go oh my god this is so fantastic i want more uh and uh, you can come and come and hang out with us uh you're even welcome on the live stream uh, there's two of them in fact uh the one on the elite army channel and there's one that's hosted by angelus and creaky uh on creaky's channel uh on youtube uh which is 23 hours before the the main one uh, on the elite army channel uh where you can uh jump straight on there and uh talk about a leader to your heart's content if you so wish hell uh if you do decide to watch the movie after this podcast and you just want to say wow you're right or wow you're completely wrong and we will we'll welcome that as well by all means jump on uh the podcast uh jump on the live stream jump on live chat even and just type it and uh and yeah or or type in the leader army or just a leader in general on twitter or instagram and uh look us up that way because uh, in some way, shape, or form, a leader will be in our tags. A leader will be in our profile pics. A leader will be, you know, in whatever caption or whatever we tweet. And and yeah, and you know, that's how we found the fandom, and that's how we keep it current, I guess. Because so that when people, much like uh, Josh's listeners out there, uh, go watch the leader and they want to find out more, and they end up googling it, this is what comes up. Oh, and there's also heaps of um, on DeviantArt. There's heaps of people doing Alita artwork, 
and to find um, science fiction remnant, just um, Google science fiction remnant. There's a website and you can access all of the uh, podcasts for that uh, podcast through that uh, web portal. But it's also available on all uh, good um, uh, repeaters for podcasts, you know, good pods and uh, uh, Spotify and Apple podcasts and Google podcasts and all those places too. So you can find not only a leader on there, there's a couple of episodes of a leader, but there's also a whole bunch of other sci-fi IPs where we have lots of fun discussing those. All right, and as always, you can follow the show. The easiest thing to do, go to linktr.ee slash ynfmoviepod. It'll have podcast platforms, social media, YouTube channel, my personal letterbox, so you can see what I'm watching that's not being covered on the show. And I'll be back next week with a new guest and a new movie. And who knows, that may become your next favorite movie. Guys, take care. I'll talk to you next time.